comes ahead on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. Foot race the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me today is a man who has been very busy uh, putting these previews together as we work uh, around the clock here to try to get these done before season kicks off at the end of February. Logan Stone? I feel like I'm an administrative assistant to the boss, the, the producer. <laughs> I'm I'm like the intern that's working on the notes and, and doing everything that I can. Although I will say you have, a, you have an advantage more so than I because you know the teams and you know the players from previous right, years. Right. Whereas, you know, this being my second year covering it, I, I'm still trying to figure out teams and um, I guess styles, coaches, players. I've gotten the hang of it, but it, it has made this – has made this preview uh, season a lot easier. Yeah, I bet. Uh, so not not everybody reads the description, Logan. Who yeah. are we uh, talking to and what team are we previewing? Yeah, so we're going to be talking to Fabian Rankle, and he is currently resides in Japan. So uh, I can't even I – don't, I think they're nine hours ahead of us, which would put him at what that's – I think he said it's going to be 3 a.m. AM? I have no idea. I don't. Is no, it? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like 13 hours. Are they 13? Ahead of us, yeah. I think when I Googled things, it's just not correct. But anyway, it was like nine hours. But then I'm like, I wonder where that's taking that from because I don't think it knows where I am. Um, so, no, I we're having Fabian Rankle on, and he is an insider for uh, Area Sports Network, editor in chief at Tectonic Takes, uh, and the host at Mate E Soccer Show, which is a really fun name. Uh, I think it's a good play on words there, but yeah. And uh, fan of the show, friend of the show, Fabian uh, is going to join us to talk about San Jose and the quakes. And there's the cat without fail. Um, <laughs> for those of you that know and have seen oh, the episode before, too. it is shaking is again. Shaking. Um, Hazel, can you please leave alone uh, the green screen, please? Thank you. Uh, it's going to go down again. It's it. going down it. again. Oh, man. For those that are listening, uh, the same cat that destroyed the set. Oh, thank goodness uh, she got down. But, uh, yeah, she was up here to destroy the set again. But, Jordan, I'm excited to talk San Jose. A uh, little bit of a rough start here. Um, but looking forward to talking Quakes and, and maybe seeing what uh, Fabian has to say about uh, a Quake team that's been pretty rough to watch over the last couple of years. So be interested to see his thoughts. Yeah, you know, we'd gotten uh, Jamin's thoughts last year, and uh, it'll be good to get a uh, different perspective here on on how the team is <clears throat> looking here. But, yeah, so let's go ahead and take a break, and then we will welcome in Fabian. And we are back from our break, and we have Fabian Rankle talking to us today, talk some San Jose Quakes. How are you doing today, Fabian? I'm doing well. Hey guys, I, I'm you know it's such a pleasure to be on this show. I'm 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 actually truly a fan, so I really do appreciate you guys' time today. Thank you. You know, I, I like going back. You through, yeah, I like <laughs> going back through the tectonic takes just to you. You actually helped me understand because we did with Jamin last year, who you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And then this year we're doing it with you, and it was it was nice because I could use you two. Um, and San Jose's covered really well, so it was like easier to find stuff on. Okay, what are the perspectives? And and I will say yeah. that Jamin and you have very similar takes on on a lot of the information. But it was nice to have two really good outlets 
Um, and then I think we found you pretty early on in the road to all these teams and previews, which was, was pretty cool to have you on. So we're glad to have you on and finally get to meet you. So, yeah. And I, and I truly do appreciate that. Um, me and Jamin are great friends. Actually, Jamin is a trailblazer in kind of the Quakes media. So mm-hmm. having him along my side a lot of the time, I, I am truly appreciative of, of all the things he does. And, and so this is, you know, awesome that I get to be the second right. guest for the Quakes. So this is actually a dream come true. Well, we appreciate the the nice thoughts and the the nice words. Um, so, where can uh, Logan's kind of uh, said it a bit with the tectonic takes and stuff? But where can yeah. listeners, you know, find your takes? Yeah. So uh, on Twitter, you can find me at Fabian Renkel, just like my name here, or um, you can find me on Tectonic Takes. So, Tectonic Takes is our podcast and kind of our media outlet. Um, they kind of do our radio show, but they have um, multiple people working for or kind of helping Teutonic takes out my own takes is kind of with San Jose and Uruguayans and MLS. And then as well as MLS news, you can find me at Fabian Rankle. I'm also with area sports network, which is a bigger kind of parent company for MLS news. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So uh, I guess let's start off with the reflection of 2021. Um, yeah. You know, last year, I think there was some optimism going into last year, if I remember speaking with Jamin. I mean, there were still some holes and stuff, but people thought, you know, kind of the pieces that they were bringing over and Almeida was bringing over was going to help. Uh, I think I was a little bit more hesitant on that, uh, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure. But, what you know, then the season didn't really play out the way that it expected. I mean, actually, I think Logan and I live streamed the first Quakes game. Was that what it was? Quakes mm. Dynamo. I think we live streamed that one, and that game was not as exciting as the rest of the Quakes games were. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, looking back at 2021, and what do you think went wrong, and mm. what do you think some of the positives were heading into 2022? So leading up to that Houston Dynamo game. The Quakes' biggest issue was because of their man-marking system, they need to be in tip-top shape when it comes the first game of the season. But for some weird reason, for something that happened, our preseason was only one game. While FC Dallas, Houston Dynamo, Austin FC, they had their own little tournament where they played each other, I think, about three times. The Quakes only played one game, and that was against a UCL, uh, USL side called the Oakland Roots. And for 80 minutes, we were bossed around by the Oakland Roots. They were winning 2-0, two, two to zero, and all of a sudden, Cade Cowell and, and Chofis Lopez get three goals in. So it, it was something that we already started the season on the wrong foot. We started slow. We started not with tip-top shape. Some guys were actually a little bit overweight or they weren't into fitness. So it's it just we already started the season with the wrong foot. And with the man marking system, it's the best way to kind of put it is if you guys watch basketball, it's kind of like an ISO system. You take that guy and you don't leave him. Like Steph Curry gets for all the Warrior fans out there, or because I'm in, you know, in the Bay Area, they guard him like glue. You know, stick on him like glue. Don't let him ever get off of you. And that's kind of the same ideal that uh, Matias Almeida does. And to be honest, it worked in other places like Argentina and Mexico, but it hasn't worked so far yet in the MLS or in in San Jose. And that could be because of COVID. That could be because of the travel. It's too long of travel, so your guys are always tired. Um, it could be, it could be a plenty, plenty of reasons like the distance, like I said. But when it was in the bubble in Orlando City, it did work because it was some sort of this tournament style, um, style of play where it, it could work if it's a short burst of games and you know games that you don't play teams so often but during covid we played the same teams four times and during that time they kind of already knew hey this is what they're going to do okay so we played sporting kc like three times okay busio's just going to take the ball all the way up to 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 the top of the box and shoot because he'll be unmarked so there was there was flaws in this going into 2021 um but then matias almeida actually changed that all up he changed it mid-season. We we didn't go with the man marking system. Instead, we went with a, a three in the back system, and it worked awesome. It worked great. Um, but the problem was is we weren't banging in the goals like we were. The reason why we were banging so many goals in the beginning was because there all the teams were actually pressing us really high. So all the all the players in the back were just shooting the ball or 
passing the ball over the back of the center backs so Cade Cal can get in behind. And that's why you saw those Cade Cal goals where it was just one-on-one versus the goalie or it was just someone where he had to muscle the, the center back off. But that's that dried up because they stopped pressing so hard. And then then the team kind of went into this funk because we didn't have a true number nine. Cade Cal was doing the good job, you know, at the beginning of the season, you know, extending the, the defense and get uh, opening in spaces for the players. But at the end of the day, he didn't have a, a heading chance to even ever get on the ball. So one big issue with the team in 2021 was the crosses. The crosses were horrible. And number two, there was no one to really, really head those crosses in because Cade Cal has never the games that I've seen. I mean, I, I've seen a lot of games. I've never seen Cade Cal even head the ball. So it's it, it's it's a big flaw. But T.S. Almeida has talked about that. Cade Cal needs to learn how to head the ball to become a true number nine. Um, but we saw. We actually fired the GM, Jesse Fiorinelli, halfway through the season. And then we saw an opportunity in Portland to grab Jeremy Bobsey, which is probably one of the best heading number nines in MLS. So that we saw a problem and we fixed it right away. And I get it. I got to give Chris Leach his flowers on that because that was a thing that we needed right away. And then things were looking great. Oh, we got Jeremy Bobsey. We're right above the playoff line. We're looking great. And then all of a sudden, Lala Sabubakar makes a completely irresponsible play on the ball and hits Jeremy Bobasi in the back of the head with, at full force and gives Jeremy Bobasi a concussion. And he goes ahead and, and doesn't play for about six or seven games. All of a sudden, we have that not, not having a nine problem once again. And we just spent all this TAM for two years into that type of contract. And then once Jeremy is back... He's playing a bit scared. He doesn't want to head the ball as much because he doesn't want to get that second concussion. Or I think that is his second concussion. So he doesn't want the third one. And everybody knows, like I was even telling our fans, hey, this this may be a Jeremy Abobasi retirement. Because if any of you guys have played football before or American football, if you've played um, soccer before, getting that third concussion or you know guys that get that third concussion, it's not bright. I mean, unfortunately, it guys retire early. It, it just doesn't it doesn't seem right that Jeremy Bobasi is going out there that quickly. And and I, I understood why he took forever to come back. And it was a little bit frustrating for Matias Almeida and the team, but you have to understand that it comes your health first and you don't want someone to get CTE over playing soccer. Right. So it's definitely, there was a lot of highs and a lot of lows, but we unfortunately just came up short at the end of it because of not having a true nine and then just the team not gelling completely. There's also another reason but I'll, I'll get into it later why the Quakes just weren't gelling very well. Um, but we cut, we should be able to gel better this year because it looks like they went ahead and, and they filled that gap that we needed. It's interesting because uh, I remember, like Jordan said, we'd watched the, we'd live streamed the uh, Quakes game against Houston. And both yeah. of them had played pretty well. It was kind of chaotic, but it, it, they had looked better than I thought we thought they were going to be. Um, and then they go on that three-game win streak, and it's like, okay, now, all right, so the Quakes have figured out something. Kate Cal, I remember it, it blew up all over Twitter. I mean, he was blowing yeah. up everywhere. I mean, he was scoring goals. He was physical. He was he was using physicality and, and showpiece and behind him. Everybody was talking about him before Pepe. Yeah. 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 You know, yeah. Like, yeah. Talk about it. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, a kid at, what, 17 years old that's just absolutely tearing up the league, and it right. was early on, and then all of a sudden you guys went on a drought, and I think you don't pick up another win until, like, the end of July. So it was yeah. it went from May to July with just losses and draws, and, again, it, it just seemed like what you said, it, it almost hits the nail right on the head where it's, uh, you know, the no number nine is going to make you draw a lot. I mean, it's, it's right. not having that finisher to complete – um, the attacking third and it was like okay well if we don't have the nine then where do we go from there and that's kind of what it looked like um, and, and kind of speaking about a number nine that was so legendary and Jordan I know you'll want to jump in on this as well but we can move into the next question because uh, back in November um, after uh, what we all knew was coming I think um, Wondolowski uh, announces his retirement from San Jose um, and just kind of reading off some of these numbers, 171 regular goals or regular season goals, 26 more than any other MLS player in history, um, right behind Jordan's favorite and Landon Donovan, um, or right ahead of Landon Donovan, sorry. Um, and then he also holds the MLS record for combined goals, regular season and uh, playoff in 173 goals for one club, 167 game winning goals, 46. I mean, the guy is just a legend. Uh, he'll go down as a legend in MLS history. Um, and we'll always remember him in America um, as, as the guy. So it, it, it 
it's sad to see Wando go, but can you kind of speak to the time that he spent with San Jose? Um, and then Jordan, I know if you want to jump in on some of that. And if my cat knocks down the set again, uh, <laughs> Fabian, she's done it before and she looks like she's trying to do it again. But yeah, yeah can you speak to Wando and maybe not so much the cat? <laughs> and when does the when does the statue get built? Right. <laughs> right. So knowing Wondolowski and, and hearing from all the fans that we always have that Wondolowski doesn't even want a statue. What he wants is he just wants to hang out with the, the fan base and drink a beer with them and, and talk about the Goonies and the, and the good old times, right? So um, it's going to be built. Uh, Wando actually didn't want the fanfare before he retired. So nobody actually knew if he was going to retire, not even the players with him, knew until two days before he actually retired. So it was something that he kept dear to himself and it, maybe he wanted to come back another season or he wasn't completely sure. Uh, he definitely could have. This team needs, still needs a backup striker. It still needs that kind of off the bench type of guy. Um, but when are they going to change the MLS boot to his name? Right. Cause it, it, yeah. it's something that needs to be done. I even talked about maybe retiring number eight um, for the earthquakes, but one of the fans said Wanda wouldn't even like that. And actually Wanda liked the tweet. So personally, this guy is, is just so humble and he's, it's so amazing to, for him to be a part of this organization forever. Right. And he actually went into a assistant to the GM role just so he can be, I think involved in the team still, but um, yeah, so it, it, it's nice to have Chris Wondolowski still around. And I know he's doing Sirius XM for MLS. So if you if you guys have Sirius XM, you can listen to Wondolowski talk on the playoffs and and give his insights. Um, but, you know, a legend, right? A legend. That's all I have to say. I think they should look into changing the MLS boot to his name, at least until someone, you know, knocks him off. But it's going to be hard. The only person I can see doing that is maybe Josef Martinez. Because uh, he does have a plan to stay in MLS for a long time until he dies, uh, he said. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's a long career. <laughs> yeah, so he, he likes staying in the United States, and of course, he plays in front of sixty thousand fans every week. Who wouldn't like mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. So, I think Wondolowski is an amazing, amazing player, and and it's going to be a big hole to fix, even in the locker room. It's going to be a huge gap to fill. Um, someone's going to need to step up into that leader role on and off the pitch, and we're we're excited to see who it is. It's amazing when somebody that good, that legendary, is also seems like an equally good person. It's 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 amazing how much San Jose kind of rallied around him, and just yeah. how much he cared. Like it, you don't see that, and there, you know, we Jordan and I talk about this all the time. You don't see that in Europe. You don't see that in a lot of the other big, you know, the big five or whatever they call it, just because there's just not yeah. that connection. Whereas this feels like this was Wando's league and you were just kind of operating in it. And that, and that's what was cool about it. It was like, he was the hype man and he got yeah. this league kind of back up on its feet. And it was like, uh, it, it was amazing to watch. Cause you have all these legends come over here and try to do what he does. And he's a late bloomer. He was still best. Yeah. He was, exactly. he was a really late bloomer. Right. And if, and if you guys like a underdog story, this is it for you, right? Coming out of Chico state, you know, mm-hmm. goes to the earthquakes and then gets traded to Houston because there's no more earthquakes and then right. comes back, right. right. So, so it's, it's definitely, and comes back and becomes the highest goal scorer of all time for MLS. Right. So yeah, really, it was, it was like not until that 2010, 2011 season where mm-hmm. he started going on a tear right. and then becoming, that, right? yep. yeah. And then becoming the highest goal scorer of MLS history, which is, I, I think um, he always, Wondolowski always gives shout outs to everybody that helped him during his career. And and my favorite one is he always talks about this one tweet from Alexis, uh, Alexi Lalas. And it says he won't do it next year. And then he goes <laughs> on to, to become the highest goal scorer of all time in MLS. And he actually, the other day, I think said, thank you, Alexi for, for the motivation. So it was just, he's a completely humble guy. I mean, he likes to have his fun and banter, but he definitely probably means it because it, in all honesty, if you do have haters that they do, they do fuel you in some sort of way. Right. So you, you also have to thank them because they add an extra gear to your motivation um, when you're doing anything. But yeah, no, Chris Wondolowski is an insane person. I've never seen a, a club legend go, go, go become an ultra because you got a red card. Right. It's yeah, something yeah. Where, where he's a part of the club. He is the club. I mean, at a point he was the club. Right. So it's definitely, it's it's going to be hard next season to to kind of let it let it go but i got i got a great you know i i started this last year so i went from you know being a kid to you know having him sign my usa jersey to meeting him play in san francisco to to then cover 
team and being able to ask him final questions when he's leaving. So it's definitely a nice opportunity that I got to, to share. And I, I appreciate Wando for everything he's done for the club. So we, we talked a little about Almeida. Um, it seems like he's constantly being linked to other jobs or using yeah. that as some sort of position here. Mm. How much longer do you actually think he will stay with San Jose? And um, whether it's him leaving or do you think – I feel like I asked the same question last year. Uh, but Or do you think the pressure will actually get to him to actually perform? Um, this is the last year on his contract, but – yeah. Uh, do you think that this is it for Almeida this year? So let me kind of put this into perspective. Almeida is one of the most, if you guys don't know Matias Almeida, he's one of the most famous coaches in all of CONCACAF and maybe all in all of Colombo, right? So this is a coach where the Quakes, this is like the high school nerd landing the prettiest girl in school. Like what is going on here? This should have, <laughs> this is a, this is a, a partnership that should not happen. I mean, we're out here, you know, practicing calculus after school, and then all of a sudden this girl likes to wear her glasses are on. <laughs> you know, like it, it just shouldn't happen, right? Right. Maybe it's because we live right next to, uh, you know, a great institution, and she wants to come over to, to go study at that place. But, uh, you know, it, it shouldn't have happened from the start. I, I don't know if we got hoodwinked or something, but this is a situation where – we should back him 100% because this is a coach that will never come to the San Jose Earthquakes again if he does not have a good experience here. Because I, I hate to say it, guys, and the, the Quakes fans know this, we're not Atlanta United. We're not Inter-Miami. Mm -hmm. We're not LA Galaxy, right? And that's and that's our Achilles heel. But if we landed this type of coach, I would call it a DP coach, we should back him a little bit. And in, during Matias Almeida's stint, we've only had – I want to say two DPs at most with him. We've never filled all three. Um, and if we filled all three, they're not true DPs, right? Cause they're TAM level players. So again, this is, it, it's truly not fair to, to what Matias Almeida's resume is the type of teams we've been throwing out there. A lot of the fans always say, Oh yeah, well he got his guys in Justin Carlos Fierro, but, but we always say, you know, that's his third or fourth option. I mean, his first option probably was Trophies, and we finally brought Trophies in, and, and it shows that Trophies is a quality player. But not landing Alan Polito, not landing Miguel Layun, all these guys that we could have got, but we unfortunately didn't get, right? So it, I truly think Matias Almeida has never gotten a fair shot in San Jose. Yes, he has made mistakes. Yes, he has learned to do two formations and, and try different than, things than the man-marking system. But he hasn't been fully backed in a way that, let's say, Gonzalo Pineda is in Atlanta. He hasn't been fully backed like a, even a Diego Alonso in an Inter-Miami, right? He Well, now Diego Alonso actually is is one of the biggest coaches in the world because he, he coaches Uruguay, you know, the best team in the world. But mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, he's not fully backed like a, uh, you know, Brian Schmetzer, right? It, it, yeah, Brian Schmetzer deserves what he has because he made that team into a, a you know, a, a dynasty with going to the MLS cup three times. Right. So it, it just, it seems like he deserves more than what he's getting. So I have a little kind of theory on this. If we didn't want Almeida for longer than his contract is now, which is one year left, we would have traded him to LAFC. That's for sure. LAFC went how long without a coach. And then they ended up just hiring a UC, US, USL type of mm -hmm. coach. Like what's going on here. Right. This is that LAFC, right. They have financial backing, and they couldn't find an interesting person to let coach the team. So the new GM comes in. Of course, maybe doesn't like Almeida because that's not his guy, right? He did not hire Almeida. But for some reason, talked to the owner and said, no, the owner likes Almeida. Let's keep Almeida for as long as we can, so let's buy into this. And the owner, of course, likes Almeida. The, the earthquakes, unfortunately, don't sell out every game, or if they do, it's empty. So the only reason why a lot of these fans that like Chivas or they like the Liga Mekis, they come to go see Almeida, right? And they come to go see Trophies now because Trophies is there. But of course, the owner doesn't want to get rid of like their superstar, right? Even if he loses 7-0, he's not going to fire the guy he paid millions of dollars and is bringing in revenue because the, I'm sorry, guy, like all the Quakes fans out there, Matias Almeida is the reason why we're on national television. 
the reason why we're on UNIVC on eight eight games a year, right? So, and then I'm going to get Quakes fans that say, oh, well, I don't even want to be on national television. But, guys, at the end of the day, it's a business. It's a business. We need to sell tickets. We need to sell jerseys. We need to be a profitable, um, you know, franchise for this owner. And if we get rid of Almeida and it ends on a sour note, we'll never get a coach like that again. We'll never get the free advertising from Telemundo and Univision and all the, all the Latin outlets. So in a, in a way, it's kind of they need each other. Matias Almeida needs the Quakes to do well so he can get the next opportunity. And the Quakes need Matias Almeida to do well so they get the national media. Because, I mean, <laughs> you know, like Weeby and Doyle, I think Doyle is a San Jose fan, actually, like, uh, you know, undercover San Jose fan. But all those guys on extra time, they're never going to talk about the Quakes, no matter what. It only They only talk about the Quakes if Chofis or Matias Almeida does something. Or maybe Especially now that Wando's gone. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I mean, so LAFC hiring uh, a USL coach instead of offering the Quakes something for Matias Almeida makes it seem like, Okay, maybe, maybe they want to keep Almeida for longer because I had that marked as okay, LAFC can't find a coach for what three months now. They're gonna either they're talking about grabbing Almeida because fans, LAFC fans think if Matias Almeida had LAFC budget, he could win the league. There's no doubt about it, and I still think that too. I still think if we got the Alan Polito that we needed, we got the Miguel Ayun, this team would be completely different with Chofis as their third DP, right? It'd just be a completely different team. So it's definitely it's 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 kind of a give or take, right? We should we should be in a better situation, but Matias Almeida right now might need the Quakes for longer than one year. It's interesting because I it, it just you know listening to what you're saying, it it is fascinating to think maybe this could go a lot better had he not gone to San Jose, had he gone to somebody like LAFC, had he gone right. to somebody like a Miami who have the wallets to be able to go, okay, well we can now back our team. Whereas it does seem that uh, it, without his, I guess without his influence, it would be interesting to see how maybe this team might be even worse than what it was. I mean, it, it really does seem, he seems to have influence on a lot of the Latin culture. So it, it brings players to, because they're, they're, you know, they're fascinated by him and the success he's had uh, in yeah. the places that he's had. Um, and it just kind of reading off his record, he's 33 wins, 22 draws and 41 losses with San Jose which arguably, if you look at the team, if you look at the squads, if you look at the sides, maybe that team's not as good without what he's doing at the helm. So it is interesting to see, you know, if this was his last year and if somebody did come barking, like if the LAFC thing just blows up in their face, um, maybe they come over next door and say, hey, what, you know, that looks interesting. Um, and then he's always been linked to the national jobs just because I think that's right. That, that might be his next move, much like a lot of the, the really good managers. I think that might be his next move. I just yeah. don't know if he's quite there yet. Yeah, so if Matias Almeida said right now that he's terminating his contract with San Jose, he would have mm -hmm. five offers from Liga MX, four offers from Brazil, right. any offer in Argentina. Right, so this, this guy is still an attractive head coach, even mm -hmm. though in MLS he didn't do well. Um, but for him to get a job, let's say in Europe, let's say if he wants another job in the next kind of – step in his career up I, I would say yeah getting a, a brazil head coaching job is 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 a good step for a coach i would say it's a step up but is it as big of a step up that he wants i don't think so he's also a family man he also talks about being in san jose or being in the bay area and people not knowing who he is people not knowing who his kids are that's something that he actually really adores he loves going into a store and, and, and they're getting mad that the guy didn't say hi to him, you know? Yeah. So it's something where it's it, it helps Chofis Lopez out a lot. He's not partying in the middle of San Francisco right. with the same way he was partying in Guadalajara. Yeah, you'll see him at the Louis Vuitton store, and yeah, you'll see him eating out, you know, at the, you know, fine restaurants, but he's not, he's not partying hard like he would be in an L.A. So I, I think, yeah, it's give or take because these these two guys that were just hounded by the Mexican media love living in San Jose and love that people don't know who they are. But on game day or on Saturday, people do know who they are. So it's it's like you can live a normal life. And, you know, I always joked about like, hey, Messi, maybe people don't know who you are in the Bay Area, you know, but but it's Messi, right? So who's not going to know Messi? It, it doesn't help that he's, he's you know, a short guy. You know, he has a beard. You know, it's, he's out of place, but. 
I bet you if he put on some techie glasses and maybe he had a beanie, nobody would know who, who that guy is, right? Maybe he works for Facebook. Maybe he works for Google. Or maybe he's the best soccer player of all time. Who knows? It's got the Argentinian connection, so maybe it'll work. <laughs> yeah, you know, I always joked around like, hey, Fisher, the owner of the Earthquakes, maybe you give a percentage to Messi and it, it, it helps you both out, right? Messi gets right. into MLS system and then you get more profits. So who knows? So you alluded to show fees. Um, and Jordan, do you want to ask that one or do you want me to? Sure, I can. So he had 12 goals and four assists in 2021. How important is he to the club? And do you think he remains the centerpiece of the attack as they try to make the playoffs this year and the next couple of years. So the Chofis Lopez situation is actually a, another one. It's, it's a pretty hard situation to kind of understand. He only has a loan with us for six more months, meaning that he's not going to be there in the playoffs if we don't mm -hmm. actually buy his transfer fee. Right? So we can, we can sign him on a free, but that means he comes next year to go ahead and, and play with us next year. He plays six months this year and then comes on a free and has to go back to Chivas for six months, which Chivas actually said that he'll never play for the club again. So most likely we'll sell him off to another club. So this is something where the, the Quakes are giving and taking. Yeah, why would we pay for somebody when we can get him on a free, right? So, but this is also another thing. Is Matias Almeida going to stay? If Matias Almeida is not going to stay, why would we sign Chofis Lopez where he wants to play with Matias Almeida, right? So this is, I think they go hand in hand. If we sign Chofis Lopez, Matias Almeida may resign for one to two more years. And I think if we if we don't resign Chofis Lopez, the writing's on the wall that we're getting rid of Matias Almeida. So these two, because it, unfortunately you can't trust Chofis Lopez without a Matias Almeida system. So it just seems to me that the maturity is getting there. Chofis Lopez is becoming a more mature player, a more mature person, but it's too much of a risk to take on because it's a big transfer fee. The Quakes don't buy big players, right? I mean, our biggest transfer fee was for, I think, $2 million for Innocent Amagara, which don't even get me started on that. He played two games and then got injured, and, and that was our first DP. So it, it, it's, a big, it's a really big risk to buy Chofis Lopez now. In six months, we see how we are on the table. We see how Matias Almeida feels about his situation. Maybe we, we we throw Matias Almeida an extension, but we don't go ahead and announce it, and then we buy Chofis Lopez. We make the playoffs. It ha everything happens. Matias Almeida gets Matias Almeida 2.0 with the Quakes. And and that's something that some Quakes fans are hoping for, and some people are saying, no, Matias out, right? So it's definitely – it's in the middle. Yeah, it's a difficult situation. <laughs> Yeah, so um, a name that they brought in last year, and Jordan and I talked about this when they did it, because we, we were fascinated by this. And I think it was on one of your shows back in uh, mm. back when it did happen, where you were talking about Eric Rometty. And, and I know yeah. that Quake fans became very um, thrilled with uh, how he played. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, it worked out well because Santiago Sosa comes over. Atlanta has no spot for Eric Rometty. And luckily, uh, they fell right into San Jose's lap because I think – um, out of the midfield, he was easily one of the highlights of what happened last year in that, in, you know, that defensive mid um, area of the field and kind of controlling that midfield. Um, can you kind of talk to his importance and his role uh, for the Quakes? I mean, how big of a part does he play? Um, and kind of maybe allude to what that uh, formation kind of looks like now that he's that uh, Almeida's kind of changed it. Yeah, so Eric Rometty is one of the best midfielders that we've had and one of the worst at the same time. So in the man marking system, I don't know if you guys are big fans of American football, but if you're a, a center, if you're a DB or a, somebody that's guarding a wide receiver, mm -hmm. if you get beat on a play, you're grabbing them because yeah. you're not letting them get that home run over you, right? But you're taking that 15 yard penalty or that PI call, right? Eric Rometty does that a lot of times. If he gives up a ball, he will foul the person right away so he doesn't have to track back all the way <laughs> on defense. So this in this situation, he had the second highest yellow cards in the league after, uh, I think, Inter-Miami's Gonzalo Perez, that which he's not there anymore. But this is the reason why. He, he was exhausted running back every single time trying to, you know, recover a bad pass or recover a, a, a counterattack. So he had a great – he did a great job doing that. Um but he would also fall very easily to catch his breath. So if someone fouled Eric Rometty, it took maybe 
the, the smallest push, even even my son would fall over for that push. But it, it, it's something where he would fall over right away and fall over the ball. So so the ref has to you know call the foul every single time. And he was very smart in that. But if we could get that a little higher up on the pitch, or if we can get that closer to their side of the goal, it would be deadly. But then we had all these free kick opportunities, but no one to head the ball down. So it was like, oh, this is such a great opportunity, but a wasted opportunity. So if Jeremy Abobasi gets his legs, hey, who knows? Maybe we have a lot more goals from those opportunities. But yeah, he was the most fouled player, Eric Romani, last year. And a lot of people said that was a good thing. And a lot of people said it was a bad thing because one, it breaks up kind of our momentum. It breaks up our type of style of offense. So we couldn't really truly play our offense because he's falling over and getting a foul for us. But at the same time, he is, you know, stopping their counterattack every time with um, some sort of play that he just, you know, pulled out of a hat. But overall, he's, he was a good transfer for us last year because uh, all those players like to do that kind of PI call. So a lot of our midfield is always on yellow card accumulation. Even Trophies Lopez, they all get yellow cards because they don't want to track back that much because they want to save their energy going forward, or it's just tiring doing that for 90 minutes. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we spoke a little bit about the midfield there with Rometty. Um, yeah. Adding Jan Goose to the team who – was in Minnesota as a DP previously. Um, what do you think his role would be going into 2022? And do you feel Almeida is going to stick to the same 4-2-3-1 that he used most of the time last year? Yeah, so honestly, the formation talk is up in the air. We're not going to know what Matias Almeida does until the first game of the season. Even in preseason, he actually likes to not show what he's doing in the regular season. Um like people are watching the quakes or something, or like he thinks people are watching the quakes or something, but um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, we're not going to see a formation and we might, he actually likes to change up the formations. Now he used to be give or die man marking four, four, two, three, one. Right. So this formation might be different. And we also need to see what comes in on the transfers because we had John Gray goose come in, but I think that's more of a cover. If Jackson Ewell, um, goes to international duty, or if Yudsin or Remedi are on yellow card accumulation, you know, it becomes a bigger rotation. That was a big issue with the Quakes. The guys were just exhausted because of the man marking system, and they just didn't have a serviceable kind of, you know, center mid to kind of come in and, and play those minutes when they're gone. So Jan Gregus adds a much needed MLS caliber um, rotational piece. And this, this actually isn't, this is our first re-entry selection in the last seven years we haven't had one since marvel win in i think 2015 so this is a changing of the tide this new gm wants to use interleague kind of systems to bring in quality mls players and we've never we've never had an mls transfer in a long time eric many was our first one in a long time so it was but that was more of like okay this guy played for matias almeida and banfield and he's falling on our lap right now so let's go ahead and take advantage of this situation but we, this new GM, Chris Leach, he wants to use MLS guys and, and bringing in Jan Gregus, which is a proven MLS DP. Yeah, he fall, it fell out of favor a bit with you know Minnesota United. But, hey, this guy might be a Rusnak light, you know, like, so we might, we might land, we landed him on a non-DP contract. So it's, it's a TAM player, so we can buy him down. But this is, this, a lot of Quakes fans are excited for this. But I still have some questions because he looks more like a Jackson Yule before Jackson Yule slumped to me. Personally, he, do, he does that long diagonal ball. He kind of likes that. He needs a destroyer with him all the time, um, just like Jackson Yule. Um, but I'm interesting to see because it looks more like a Jackson Yule copy to me. So we need to see what's going on with this team. Maybe it's a situation where it was just too good to pass up all this opportunity where we can grab a DP without actually paying a transfer fee. Um, it, that might be the case too. So let's see what, what happens with um, John Greg who's coming into the squad. Yeah, you, you alluded to one of the Americans that I want to kind of ask you about, and it wasn't one that I sent over, but you did just mention him so you can kind of talk about, um, and you watched him all year, last year. Because uh, Jordan and I are big U.S. men's national team fans, and yeah. we have watched Jackson play, and, and Jackson's a nice guy, um, but Jordan and I have been one that has been pretty hard on Jackson, and it, mm. it seems – 
that last summer surely did not help his confidence. I know that there were a lot of complaints about just the way that he was able to kind of connect things in the midfield. Jordan yep. and I were oftentimes frustrated kind of watching him, and we were kind of wondering – um, what, what was that like uh, with San Jose? Is that what you're kind of alluding to, the same kind of thing, where it does seem like with, there was a breakdown play in the midfield or there was no midfield play at all? It seemed because it was Jackson kind of uh, not being able to link up play or, or get forward very well. Um, and then kind of speak to Cade Cal too, because I know Cade yeah. was one that many people had watched and kind of felt like, all right, we've got something here. And depending on where he chooses to play – you know, this could be one of those nines that we need later on in life, but it, it seems like he had fallen off too. So could you kind of speak to the two of them and maybe some of the struggles they had? Yeah. So Jackson Yule for the Quakes was one of the best players coming into this last season. Um, he was the guy that was, you know, doing those long diagonal passes that was just doing some crazy assists, you know, scoring some, some bangers, but he lost some confidence coming back from that youth um, were, I think qualification for the world youth or for the Olympic squad when they lost that game I think it was to Honduras right to not qualify for the Olympics a part of him I think part of his confidence went down a bit um he stopped making those long diagonal passes he stopped doing a lot of things that made him great he stopped being Jackson Yule he started passing back a lot more and it, it just seemed a lot it seemed baffling or a little weird that he didn't have the confidence that he needed um, to kind of make the next step into his career, which Europe was in the cards last year. Um, and now it looks like maybe he's an MLS lifer, but it's just, he needs to get his confidence back. He needs to try things. Um, but I think he got, he got too comfortable with just passing the ball, ball back to the center backs. I know he did that for the U U.S. men's national team. So it, it's definitely, he needs to look forward more, but it also doesn't help that Matias Almeida keeps on playing him in any single role he can. Right. He played, he played at the, you know, attacking midfield. He played at the eight. He played at the, you know, destroyer. He also played at center back last year. So it's something where Matias Almeida needs to find a spot for him. But I think it's more of a thing where maybe we see him turn into a center back and maybe he puts on some weight, you know, who knows? Um, but, or maybe the quakes, since they have a man marking system, use them at a center back and they get those long diagonal balls from the center back position, which is awesome. And they could use that, you know, it's another dimension of their attack, but, but, you know, Matias Almeida needs to help Jackson. You'll get his confidence back. And that's, and that's number one. He needs his confidence back. Cade Cal, on the other hand, um, had a stellar start to the season. Like I said earlier, he, they were pressing the whole team. He was able to get in behind muscle off some center backs and get some goals in. But then all of a sudden people realized, Hey, if we double team him, you know, he can't really do much. His technical ability needs to, mm -hmm. you know, needs to get better. He needs to be able to take a defender on one-on-one -on -one and, and, and be able to kind of juke the, the player out or, or, you know, get him you know out of his boots. He did that once, but, it needs to be more consistently there. He fell out of favor with Matias Almeida, and then Matias Almeida actually went ahead and started starting this young young player called Benji Kakanovic, which banged in some goals for us and played on the wing and played pretty serviceable. Cade um, Cal again, maybe lost a bit of confidence from the coach and then started riding the bench and then would come in 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and unfortunately not get anything done because he just looked kind of out of place and not 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 ready for the for the moment. Moving forward, uh, backwards, actually, sorry, to the defense. Yeah. Uh, uh, San Jose gave up uh, 54 goals in 2021. Uh, do you know of any efforts that have been made this offseason to solidify the back line? And um, if not, where is the improvement needed most in that back line? Yeah, so actually, I apologize. We haven't been talking about one of the best transfers to come into San Jose as well. Uh, Nathan. Nathan is is one of the best. I, I already think he's one of the best center backs in the league. I mean, all the MLS fantasy guys know that Nathan's the guy to have on your team. Uh, and he actually has a FIFA card already. So definitely, if all the FIFA fans know, Nathan is – he was an awesome transfer. So the transfers, transfers last year that the Quakes had – Man, this team would have been completely different, you know, if we if we actually did not strike out on Miguel Ayun. We would have had a right back. We would have had a perfect center back. We would have had Jeremy Abobasi. So this team really could have been completely different last year than what we landed in and outside of the playoffs. So, um, yeah, I mean, 
we lost Osvaldo Alanis, which he wasn't really playing very well. He was on some old legs. Um, he, he always talked about in the press conferences that he's exhausted, that he's getting older, you know. So the Quakes, unfortunately, didn't re-sign him. He went to Liga MX, and now he went to Mazatlan, uh, which is another Liga MX team. So he's still starting in Liga MX. But right now, Tanner Beeson is our center back. He actually had a great season last year. And and for all you guys that, you know, like your U.S. men's national team, you know, maybe hopefuls for MLS, this is a guy out of Stanford, Tanner Beeson, that possibly in the next couple of years could be a center back for us. Um He's actually a really solid center back along with Nathan. So I would say our defense centrally is great. Um, we don't have a we, – we just drafted a guy from Sweden in the MLS draft that we actually originally planned to probably draft in, in the eighth pick. But since uh, Buda actually fell to us, it looks like we then traded to get the 13th pick to possibly get that player that we still had in mind and we still scouted to draft. Um, but – I think centrally we still need a third kind of veteran center back. Seeing all these guys come off the board like Shane O'Neill and the, and and the free agency is just like we could have used them, especially a veteran presence. Um, we don't have a right back, so that's still an issue. Um, we didn't re-sign Luciano Abacasis, which I thought did an okay job. I truly think he did an okay job. Um, I think the only bad part about his game is he couldn't connect in the final third and. For this system, we kind of do need that. Um, there's a lot of talks in the Quakes community that maybe we want to see Espinosa play that right wing back kind of place. Um, on the left side, we have Marcos Lopez, which is low key. I don't know if it's because he plays in San Jose, but the best left back in the league, um, the best left back possibly in all of Colin Bull. And that means for teams like uh maybe not brazil but maybe for teams like uruguay they don't have a, as good a left back as marcos lopez which marcos lopez plays for peru and that boy that guy shuts down gabriel jesus for brazil like it's like it's daniel saloy for sporting kansas city so this guy is is the is the you know the next big thing he's he's probably under the radar going to be the next mls transfer to europe if he goes for a fee um he's on his last contract he, he does it week in and week out for Peru. He plays against guys like Di Maria, Gabriel Jesus, um, you know, Luis Suarez, Edison Cavani, every time he goes down to play for qualifiers. And he starts for Peru. And Peru is not, not a team that just, you know, you know, lies over. They have Alex Collins, which is another player that's just amazing for Peru and for NYFC, NYCFC because they just won. But these two guys are very underrated in the MLS landscape. And um, on the left side, we are very solid because we have Marcos Lopez for this last year of his contract. We probably are probably going to sell him off. Um, everybody was talking about Cade Cal going to Europe, be the first guy from the earthquakes, but no, it's definitely going to be Marcos Lopez. Um, when you shut down very, very good attacking players in South America, scouts come come knocking and, and, and European clubs start coming. Um, but I can't, yeah, I can't speak very, very, I can't, I can speak all day about Marcos Lopez because it's someone that is completely under the radar in MLS. Um, but he does it on the international stage every, every time he goes down there. Um, but on the right back situation, we don't have a right back yet. And, uh, you know, I, I had a, I had a Twitter space the other day with right back options that we can look at, you know, with all the fan base. And I, I, I was like, Hey, let's go, let's go, let's go get Tinner home or let's go get Ruan. Like, let's go, use our gam or tam to go get these guys because ever since nick lima left which nick nima wasn't playing that well either um he left for austin fc we've had a gaping hole in the right back so it's we have tommy thompson there which is a converted right back he went from central attacking mid to a right back he plays all right for the teams that aren't the crazy dp winger teams so he plays okay against the houston dynamos he plays okay against the Austin FCs, but when it comes to the, you know, the LA FCs where it's against world-class talent or the Seattle Sounders like Jordan Morris and Nick Ladero, it's evident that he's not a right back. So it's definitely some place they have to find a signing. They either have to go buy something in MLS or they have to, they have to, they have to fill that before the season starts because that's a gaping hole in this lineup. 
Might be a good time to be a right back. It seems like everybody in world football wants one or is trying yeah. to loan one out. It's like, I don't want one anymore. Um, but with, hey, Brian Reynolds is available. Jordan and I just talked about that. But yeah. Uh, I, mean, I highly uh, doubt he would be interested in Brooks maybe. Brooks Lennon. Yeah. Right, right. There you go. So, <laughs> Some guys going, Tin- no, I'm good. <laughs> like Tinderholm, right? Gray yeah. took over that spot in, in the playoffs for yep. NYCFC. So, hey, you know. Yeah, go, that's a good option too. Yeah. Yeah, really good option. All right, so what? one last player question, then we get to the last question of the whole thing. But I did want to ask you, you did allude to him, um, Usini Buddha, uh, who I watched a press conference with him, and he was talking um, to the press and uh, all the guys there. And um, a very interesting pick, uh, and, and probably glad that they that he fell down to where uh, San Jose was picking. But 156 goals in 82 games and uh, garnered uh, Gatorade Player of the Year in high school um, last year in college. Uh, he had 10 goals and 14 assists, so really creative. Um, was able to kind of get his own shot when he needs to. Um, and then he's also a native of Burkina Faso, who I've been watching in AFCON. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting because he could end up actually playing there pretty shortly, uh, which is kind yeah. of fun. But can you kind of speak to what they saw in that option um, with Buddha, and then kind of what uh, maybe he fills in uh, as the role kind of develops and maybe it's the same kind of spot that Kate Cow currently sits on? Yeah, so this this player, uh, Buddha, we did not think we were gonna get Buddha. He, I know he played at Stanford, and he was the guy. We, he was. People tried to sign him on a homegrown deal before, but he actually didn't go ahead and opt into that. He wanted, I believe, he wanted to finish his college degree, and he still wants to finish his college degree, um, because I mean, it's a, it's a degree at Stanford, right? right. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to finish out their degree at Stanford. So. Um, this is a player that a lot of teams passed on because he's an international player. And we just got rid of five international players this offseason. So we have international spots to throw up in the air. Hey, Charlotte, we would love 300 gam. Where are you at? You know, so um, this is something that the Quakes kind of took advantage on. Um, the other guy they picked out of um, Sweden as well, he or Clemson, he played at Clemson, but he's an international player. This is going to be the trend for international players this is going to be the trend for the next couple of years in the super draft if you're a international player maybe on the fringe hey why not go play at stanford for four years get a college degree and see if you can become a pro there's barely no risk if you're not if you don't become a pro hey you have a four-year scholar like a scholarship to stanford right one of the most recognizable universities in the world so this is this is going to be the trend for the MLS super draft. I know people are saying, Oh, the super draft, you know, there's not that much quality, but this is where you're going to get your Jack Harrison's of the world. This is where you're going to get your Osemi Buddha's of the world. And we are in San Jose are extremely excited for Buddha. Um, I talked about the FC Dallas trade before, um, before the super draft where they kind of traded for Dom Dwyer's rights to kind of uh, get rid mm-hmm. of that contract for Toronto. And I was like, okay, well, it looks like Buddha's not going to us because this seems like the writing on the wall. FC Dallas is going to go get Buddha. They just got rid of Pepe. They need some sort of offensive spark in that lineup. To And this was a no-brainer, right? You just got a free third pick in the MLS yeah. draft just for getting rid of Dom Dwyer's contract. Like, I was looking at the Quakes like, hey, we should have done that deal. Like, what's going on? <clears throat> Especially if we have all these vacant spaces, we need players and quality players. So everybody doesn't pick up Buddha because – he does he takes up an international spot so he drops to us and this is like a match made in heaven we actually two days before the super draft signed his teammate in will richmond um plays kind of in the similar spots as buddha and maybe would have been a late first round draft pick in the mls super draft so we were actually happy that we basically got a free kind of a free mls draft pick because he instead wanted to stay local and signed a homegrown contract with the San Jose Earthquakes instead of letting his fate be in the hands of all the MLS execs. And he doesn't get a guaranteed contract, and only the Generation Adidas players get guaranteed contracts. So he went ahead and signed that homegrown deal. But who would have thought we got the guy we wanted in the first place, right? So now we have Will Richmond, which he's probably a good player, but maybe more of a of a kind of rotational piece. And then we get the superstar out of Stanford, which is Buddha, which again, we are all the quakes wanted it. All the quakes fans wanted it. We wanted this guy. And all of a sudden the quakes are now in the MLS media, which is awesome for all the quakes fans because we're never there. So 
we were all super happy during the super draft. I mean, we, we saw, you know, MLS finally talk about Quakes players, even if it's the brand new Osemi Buddha, we are extremely excited for him. If you guys don't know who this player is listening, um, Alan Stanford, he was the best player, one of the best players in the country, probably the best attacking talent. I know this is an opinion, the best attacking talent in the MLS super draft. So this is a guy that can come in and become a rotational piece for the team next year. And maybe I don't want to, you know, toot this horn too fast, but probably the, the first player out of, of the MLS out of this super draft, like your Daryl DK and your, your Buchanan. That's what I personally think, because usually it's attacking guys that are the first to go. And he's definitely that talent wise. All right, time for my favorite question and the last question that we have here. What would a successful season for San Jose Earthquakes be in 2022? Make the playoffs, win a game. That's a successful season. Because at that point, Matias Almeida may want to resign. And on the business side of things, Matias Almeida resigning means more money for the club, means more exposure for the club. And being one of the least recognizable cities in all of MLS with us and maybe Columbus attracting that big name player is a little hard when they can't even point to San Jose on a map. So it's going to be an issue for years to come. It's going to be an issue forever, to be honest. Um, so having a, a coach like Matias Almeida resign with us, maybe trying another thing um, instead of getting players that unfortunately did not work out and they were overpriced, to come in like the Carlos Fierros and the Andy Rioses. Try that with homegrowns. Try that with draft picks like Buda. Um, I think that successful season, getting Matias Almeida to re-sign, signing Chofis Lopez, and making the playoffs and winning a game. Because if you make the playoffs and bow out, probably doesn't resign. Because it, it seems like this team, that's the ceiling. If we win a game against, like, let's say, a, a Portland, now Portland made the final, but if we win a game against like, let's say uh, sporting Kansas city this year in the playoffs. That gives you a taste that this team is, is possible, possibly can have more. And I think that would be a successful season. All right. Thank you, Fabian. Uh, would yeah. you want to, uh, where can people find your, uh, your stuff again? Yeah. So my name is uh, Fabian Rankle. You can find me at Fabian Rankle on Twitter. Um, I also run a, a podcast or a web series called Matei Soccer. So if you like player interviews, I, I try to bring in player interviews from MLS. We're going to have Tesho Akandeli on for next uh, season. So we're super excited about that. And I also have on guys that speak Spanish. So I try to translate all that in the subtitles. So usually you don't see guys that speak Spanish do interviews. Um, if you have any Spanish players on your MLS team, please go ahead and check it out because it's something that's it's pretty cool. So definitely you can check out all your, if I have one of your favorite players on that show and I appreciate your time today, guys, it's a truly an honor to be on this, the show. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I, it's an honor representing San Jose. You know, I have, I have, you know, only two years in this thing or one year and a half. And, and, and Jamin is truly a trailblazer before me. He's been doing this for almost 10 years. So I, I, I'm really extremely grateful for this opportunity and I'm extre extremely grateful for all the fans that have been pushing me and, I appreciate everything you guys have done here today. Thank you for the opportunity. And we are back from our break, and we want to thank Fabian for coming on and talking some San Jose and giving us some of those um, very detailed answers on on those and really giving us a fresh perspective. One thing that jumped out to me, Logan, is uh, we mentioned this to him after we wrapped, but when he was talking about how right back is still a hole <laughs> – um, it reminded me of our Jamin interview from last year where yeah. he needed to get a right back in before the start of the season because after Nick Lima left for Austin, they hadn't filled a hole. They still hadn't filled that hole. They still haven't filled the hole. So that's something that I'm not sure they're actually going to do. You know, when we kind of hear about how San Jose may be a little cheaper than people would like, I'm thinking they might ride with Tommy Thompson as that right back, even right. though he's not up to the quality against the big teams. But, you know, I think this, you know, we asked him what was a successful season for 2022. And I think this is probably the correct answer. Make the playoffs and win a game. Mm -hmm. Last year, I said, I think I said make the playoffs. I didn't think they would make the playoffs though. And they didn't. Yeah. 
not to toot my own horn, we got a lot wrong. Like, if I just want to share this uh, Western Conference thing again, we got, we got a lot wrong. Oh, Western was wild. <laughs> but, but you know, when we look at it and we, and we look at the reason why I'm saying that this is probably the correct answer is because this will be how many years for Almeida now? And they need some progress. If you're going to have a successful season, you have to make the progress. Last year they finished seven points off the playoffs then the goal has to be win three more games and get in the playoffs. Don't give up 50-something goals this year, and you probably make the playoffs. Hmm. And that's I think that's the target that they have to – now, again, Nashville is heading to the West, so that yeah. is going to drastically change the shape of the Western Conference. But I think making the playoffs and not just making it, I think winning a game, like Fabian said, is is what would be successful for them. Though I'm sure they could see success as just making the playoffs after missing out. But I think they have to show some more progress under Almeida because, again, this is his last year under contract. If they're trying to keep him locked down, then they have to show some sort of progress. And and I understand that Almeida is a legend and that San Jose fans like him and stuff, but if he cannot make any progress with this squad – then he may have to move on. And, mm-hmm. and one, it's either going to be because he's frustrated about it or because you need somebody that's going to be able to work with the limited roster. You know, Almeida's been wanting to bring in all of his guys. They're not going to be able to afford that. So at some point, something's going to have to give, and it might be that you have to say goodbye to him. Yes, he'll get offers from all the South American teams and uh, Central American teams, but I think that if it doesn't work this year, if they miss the playoffs this year, you have to probably say, thank you for what you've done. You raised the profile of some of our signings. You raised the profile in some of these countries, but we need somebody that might be able to work with our shoestring budget. If that's what they have. Yeah. I mean, those are all really good points. And I think like you said, it, you pretty much hit everything. I mean, he's winding down on. I didn't leave anything for you. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. But it, like, I just say a couple more things to kind of add on to like maybe some problems that they're running into this year. Chris Wondolowski, um is no longer. Uh, you don't have that you know stable force, whether it be in the locker room or on the pitch. Yeah, he only had five goals last season, but I mean he played in 32 matches. I mean he's obviously a stabilizing factor for a lot of those young guys um, that that we have talked about. And you know, a couple of guys are pretty old on their roster, but after that, it's a quick decline. They've got a really young roster when you look down the the actual sheet itself. Um, I think that that's a, that's a big issue that they're going to have to, you know, confront. Another one is Matias Almeida um, and the, the links that he's going to get as time goes on. And if they do struggle, he's going to continue to get more links to different places. And I, I think that, you know, I think that Fabian's right. I think had it not been for, you know, kind of what he had in San Jose, maybe he, he was going to have to find interest in the LAFC job um, before they go and make that hiring. But it, it is. It's interesting that for that, with his last year, Shofis, if, if he really does return from his loan, um, which I highly doubt because that I think that situation was just so bad that they, they wanted to just get rid of him. So I do think they come up with a transfer fee. But even that impending, maybe he doesn't play there anymore. Um, maybe he gets sold to somebody else. Maybe it's into Europe or maybe it's into one of these bigger clubs in the summer where he's got, you know, multiple options. I don't know. I don't know what his, you know, prospects are. Another thing that I think, you know, is concerning is Jackson Ewell, who they thought was going to be a very, very good player. While he still can be a very good player, I think there are some issues with him and the way that he's kind of not developed into what they wanted. Cade Cow kind of fell off the map last year, and you can kind of blame the fact that he was 17 years old trying to play in this league. But again, that's another thing that you're going to have an inexperienced striker, um, inexperienced scorers. Um, if you're looking at some positives, though, I mean, they do have some positives, right? I mean, they've got guys like Christian Espinosa, who's always been a good winger. They've got guys like Judson who is able to anchor a midfield very well. Um, I think JT Marchinkowski is coming into his own in the, in the post. I think you've also got some interesting pieces in Nathan Cardoso. And, um, you know, as Tanner Beeson does get older, it gets more developed. I think you've got a good pairing there. I think you also have to look at the fact that Jeremy Obobese is somebody, Jordan, that ran through MLS's back. Can he do it with San Jose? So it, it, it it's... <laughs> 
it's a weird mix, isn't it? Like it's, it's very difficult. Eric Rometty's really good and had a good season. I thought, yeah, there's times where he's going to struggle, but I think there's times when he's matched with Jitson or he's matched with um, maybe a guy like uh, Jan Gregus, like, or Jitson, whoever it might be. I think that'll be interesting. So, yeah, I think they've got some good pieces. I, um, I think, but again, the West is getting more crowded. The West is getting difficult because of Nashville. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where to stand on this one. This one, I think I'm going to have to say, take some time. I think the right back thing is concerning, like you said, but I do think if, you, if that's one hole that they've got to fill, then I think they can do it. So I think it'll be interesting to kind of see where they go from here, but I do think that this is an improving Quakes team. All right. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Um, and, uh, next who who are we interviewing next and what team are we looking at next yeah so our friend andres is going to join us from the foxtrot um and he actually has a new podcast that was uh debuted last year after we had gotten free from uh the previews so we'll have andres back again we haven't talked much houston dynamo just because it was um it was not a good year it was wooden spoon worthy if uh cincinnati hadn't been in the way um so it'll be interesting to kind of get andres expect or perspective the foxtrot over on twitter so we have him coming on to talk uh, Houston Dynamo, Jordan. Um, and then the rest of this week is pretty much up in the air. I know we're going to try to have some guys from Dallas and Charlotte uh, come on, but I haven't locked down the days with them, hoping to have some kind of message tomorrow when we get off the holiday. So look out for those two. And then next week, I think we're going to try to lock down Minnesota, Philly. Um, and I think after that, uh, my the next names on my list were um, Nashville. So I, I think it'll be interesting to kind of look through those teams and we're just kind of jumping around the league now that there's no specific order and hopefully we can get in touch with some really interesting people and this has always been a lot of fun like this is a great way to kind of connect with different people from different fan bases and if you want to connect with us and share us your thoughts on either feedback or if you don't <laughs> feedback that you you think can help improve the show you can leave us a review or you can email us at stateside show at gmail.com or you can tweet us at stateside show instagram at stateside show facebook.com slash stateside show and uh yeah so that's what we will leave you with today i hope everyone has a great rest of their day and we'll catch you next time tomorrow throwing his body in it's gonna fall for ibrahimovic oh come on come on thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. Men's National Team, Americans Abroad, MLS, USL. This is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stoppage Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.